I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Treehouse, episode 40. Nutty Slack with Danny Baker and me, Louise Pepper. Yes, it is. A very good morning to everybody. And here we go again with another four hours of fun for old and young without the slightest hint of vulgarity. And uh, as promised, we aim to live up to every single week, even though we've yet to reach the first hour. But you know, when we end this show, we keep going. We take a licking and keep on ticking. A very good morning to everybody. Much to discuss. Uh, Louise on the other side of town. Louise Napoleon Pepper. Good morning, Hello. Louise. Good morning. Yeah. Uh, lost in the... I, I, you put a gun to my head and say, why is she called Louise Napoleon Pepper? I forget. I have no idea. But the listeners don't. I, don't I know. I, I don't every I email... Every email that comes in now always has Napoleon Pepper. Uh, I don't remember, but that's the way it should be. That is the way it should be. Anyway, we wouldn't stop dragging me into uh, highways and byways of the minutiae of the show, Peps. Um, it is John Joseph Merlin, his birthday. Now, oh, uh, uh, the great John Joseph, Joseph Merlin, uh, who in, uh, in 1748, I think he was born. I didn't actually write that down, but all we know is uh, that if, it, if there was anything in, in, the, uh, in the worth of this country, and I don't run the uh, Albion down, I certainly don't, but uh, if there was anything in the worth of this country, Peps. They would, even in the lockdown, parks would be open and there'd be fairs everywhere and stamps issued in honour of the birthday of John Joseph Merlin. Made the world a tremendous place. Uh, (laughs) For instance, and this is a tiny piece of John Joseph Merlin. Not one of those, is he? Yeah, oh, he's one of those, but all good. I'd like to think, I'd like to think we are, this show represents his spirit in the modern age. Uh, but one, one thing, this may be, I'll, I'll get your opinion on this, this is either for or against JJM. Um, he gave the world in 1760 the roller skate. Oh, uh, a that, wonderful invention. Did it? I yes. Yeah. No, I hated roller skates. Oh, Ankle-breaking no. lunacy. I mean, I come from the 1960s when they were just two bits of leather lashed around <laughs> your instep. <laughs> Yes. And, and they're supposed to, girls, I've got to say, girls would put on a roller skate while holding a conversation, and off they go, like Chaplin in the rink. Uh, me, I couldn't bear a roller skate. Oh, see, I, I well, funny enough, I enjoyed roller skate, mm-hmm. and then when I was um, living um, above Mr Evans, um, I, I thought I'd buy myself some inline skates, roller blades. Mm-hmm. And I duly took them over to Hyde Park, for that was the nearest patch of green space, and I Mm -hmm. put them on, and I looked at my feet, and I thought, I don't know what to do. (laughs) And I I rang my brother, 
who is a trader in the city, you know, very important stock markets and all of that business at the height of his busy day and went, mm. sigh, yeah. How do I skate? <laughs> You'd forgotten. So it's not like riding a bike. You know what? I went, I'm in a park. I'm in Hyde Park with rollerblades on. I don't know what to do. Now, well, can I tell you something? Uh, people think the rollerblade was perfecting the roller skate. They're wrong. It no, was it's a actually... terrible, terrible. No. It's, like, it's ice skating, not on ice. It's but Peps, Peps, when John Joseph Merlin unveiled his roller skates, they were in a single line. It was much, no. much later that people put two and two. Uh, they originally were rolling. All the blades. Nothing were being sold it again. Oh, I've gone just off like, him. Just like Jamie Oliver will do one day to the egg sandwich. He'll <laughs> sell it back to us as something else. They sold that back to him. But uh, apart from anything else, and, um, and as if you've never heard the show before, these things usually pay off. This one really does. Uh, he was Belgian. He arrived in London. And, uh, but mainly he made uh, musical instruments. That was his big thing. And elaborate jewellery. He was one of those, you know, he couldn't stop it. Other inventions of his included a self-propelled wheelchair, whist cards, whist cards for the blind, a pump for expelling foul air, a communication system for summoning servants, and a pedal-operated revolving tea table. Now this all amazing. All amazing. But mainly he made those automatons. You know the those wonderful mechanical 18th-century bejeweled like he made that. You might have seen it, a big swan that moves its neck and opens oh, up and shows compartments. We went and saw it last summer. Bang, there he is. Wow. That's John Joseph Merlin. Wow. Uh, however, his roller skate, he had his critics, by the way, and I can't help uh, but feel the, 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 this, this, I mean, it's rampant narcissism. <laughs> but this, to me, this, to me, has never stopped me before. This, to me, is how many people view this programme because uh, he, he came up with all these wonderful uh, inventions for jewellery in that the roller skate and he made the harpsichord piano uh, so it says uh, a critic at the time said it may sometimes happen that the greatest efforts of ingenuity have been exerted in these trifles yet the same principles and expedients could have been applied to valuable purposes and their movements which put action into machines of no use but to raise wonder could have been employed draining fens manufacturing metals or assisting architects that's how people look at this it's all very well having your Fred and Rose West tapes, but you must leaven the bread. Uh, anyway, the point is, when he um, he came up with uh, an ingenious novelty of the skates, uh, it was a, it, it, he did it by holding a big party, a big ball, and then arriving. Here we go, everyone. This is the whole point of this. Arriving in the ballroom on the skates, first time anyone's seen, whilst playing the violin. Oh! And the skates and violin were sold as a package. (laughs) They were sold as a package. But from a review, I don't rest before the show starts. How happy when I found this. How happy was I when I found this. One of his most ingenious novelties was a pair of skates, spelled S-K-A-I-T-E-S in the original, anyway. One of his most ingenious novelties was a pair of skates contrived to run on wheels. Supplied with these and a violin, he mixed a motley group of people at Mrs. Cowell's Masquerade Ball at Carlisle House. He arrived with much commotion and mirth, yet not having provided the means of slowing his velocity or commanding his direction. And he impelled himself against a great mirror of more than 500 pounds value and dashed it to atoms. He broke his instrument to pieces and wounded himself most severely. (laughs) 
He kind of, he kind of, everyone, make way, these are roller skates. Oh, I didn't put a break in them. <laughs> Straight, huge mirror. God bless John Joseph Merlin. He, he didn't know how to stand Oh, getting he, his bad luck immediately. He, he went straight into oh. a 500 pound mirror. That's like a 600 pound mirror these days. No, it, it, but when I read that, that he came into the party playing his violin, everyone said, oh, oh, Merlin, there he is. He lifts the spirits. Merlin, Merlin, Merlin. <laughs> straight into the, straight into oh. the mirror. And it's his birthday oh, today. Dear. And if that doesn't raise your spirits, then I don't know what. What are we doing today, Pebs? <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, we threw you threw in during the last one, Tales of Clairvoyance. Oh, oh yes, sticking that yes. back on. Uh, soaking a stranger, astounding mm-hmm. examples of good luck, moving something really heavy, tales of taping something and videotapes, <laughs> and what have you stolen? Yeah, there goes my promise to narrow down the subjects, not to <laughs> overwhelm people, but uh, all their subjects remain open. And there must be. This is show forty, you said, didn't you? Yes, it's our fortieth. Well, an average of six subjects a week. We're doing, we're, we're skating ahead like John Joseph Merlin, and nothing can stop <laughs> us now. Unfortunately, there's a mirror ahead. Give us something over there, Peps. This is from Richard. Um, it says uh, these are for, you asked for tales of videotapes. This is both video and cine. Mm. With their wedding anniversary fast approaching, my dad decided to do something special for my mum. His mother had long been trying to give him a cine film of their wedding. In a flash of inspiration, my dad decided he would not only take the cine film, but he would get it immediately transferred onto cutting-edge video. Mm-hmm. This being around the late 80s, such an undertaking wasn't cheap, but Dad was committed to displaying his devotion through technology. After many weeks with the video technician, Dad was called to pick up the still-warm cassette. Taking it back to his place of work, a colleague said... You'd better check it. Let's go around to my house at lunch and put it in my machine. Off they toddled, Dad basking in the preemptive glory of a well-conceived gift. Roll VT. After a few minutes of general waving at the camera from sundry random people, my dad appears. Not, however, as an expectant groom, but instead mooching along a seafront with a group of people, including a woman quickly identified as not my mum. No! This gripping piece of cinema continued for some minutes with Dad clowning around with the unidentified woman. Then the video ended, no hint of their wedding. Now, many men faced with this predicament would quietly lose the video and invest in an alternative present. Oh, no, not my father. Not only did he take the video home, but he actually gave it to my mother, thinking this (laughs) great fun. Not so much my mum, who spent the ensuing days and even weeks remarking variously on wasted money, some anniversary this and that floozy. My dad wore it as a badge of honour. Wow. And you didn't know, off, uh, every Happy anniversary. Just, exactly. You, you often hear of these being even more off colour than that when people sometimes put in video cassettes. But to, uh, at the, as the wedding one, well, against that, uh, here's Paul who's got in touch. In the mid to late 90s, early 2000s, I was part of a group who ran a youth service in our local C of E church. All aged in our teens, we put the whole thing on four times a year and subjected, subjected an unsuspecting congregation to whatever we'd come up with by way of entertainment over the previous months. On one particular occasion, we'd edited together a video set to a piece of music to set the scene and ambience for the service that was about to follow. We carried a VHS down to the church, managed to get it set up to play through a projector onto a big screen using a collection of leads and adapters. We popped in a tape, tested it, and it was all ready. Hmm. 
then somehow between the last test and the time when we came to play the video in the service, the tape managed to get rewound a bit. Not by much, but enough to make all the difference. About 70 people sat in the church and listened to our build up for the video we'd made before we pressed play and presented the closing credits of an episode of Frasier. <laughs> But this just wasn't any episode of Frasier. Anyone who knows the series will know that the closing credits weren't just text on a the screen, they were a sort of mini silent sketch that followed on from the episode. So broadcast across the church was the, on the biggest screen we could find, and it was pretty big, was the character Bob Bulldog Briscoe wandering around a closed restaurant, bare-chested, before picking up a rose and stuffing it down his trousers. Then he walks off camera. There was a short burst of white noise, and our video started. Afterwards, nobody mentioned it. Nobody even asked what that was. As a second short story, and this is short, I also know someone whose wedding video was interrupted just for a second by a previous recording on the tape, and whatever, whenever they played back on their big day, part of the way through the ceremony, a parrot appeared. The parrot would look at the camera for a goodish bit and then was gone and the ceremony continued. <laughs> Both of those are better than anything off colour. How about that? That's hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed, Paul. What you got there, Peps? Well, this is from Andy. It says, Ahoy, hoy. You may recall I sent you a ship's horn recording a few months ago. Oh, oh yes, you did. We recall. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you got it there, if you got it there, Phil, uh, play it now. If you haven't got it there, then that was a, a, a pregnant pause where a parrot was looking at the audience. Uh, continue, Pets. <laughs> Before the current unusualness happened, I was due to sail on the Bark Europa again. And not, right now, we would have been approaching Pitcairn Island. Oh. Getting ready to almost double the population as we joined the Islander celebration party. But as things stand, here I am stuck in Hackney instead of sailing from South America to Australia. But... There is a Pitcairn-Hackney connection. The final surviving mutineer with the last of the others dying at the hands of the Tahitian women who they'd rather annoyed was called John Adams and he was born in Hackney. He was still alive 20 years later when the island was discovered by accident by the Royal Navy. He was pardoned of his crimes because in the intervening years he'd found God and created a very devout community. Maybe I will still get to go one day and if I do, I'll play the Treehouse podcast at the welcome party I hope I don't get chased off the island. How's about that? There's people who may not know the, uh, the previous show, we celebrated the Pitcairn Islands uh, because of, mainly because of the stuff they grow there, which is tremendous. And once we've um, financed uh, the record it's bernie which is we're just about to launch that and the sausage sandwich game uh we may try to crowdfund sending me and peps to the pitcairn islands oh yeah <laughs> i'd literally go anywhere right now yeah, I, I really would i know what you mean unfortunately uh probably what will happen is we just have a sound effects of jungle birds in the background and record it from our little rooms here now uh We've got, obviously, we've got a backlog and we do get round to them, all of the emails that are sent. Even that one that uh, came in, the first one I read, the fellow sent it a few weeks back. He must, must have sat up and they all we, all, we all get round to them. We don't plan on packing up our tent anytime soon. But I've got to give you this. Um, I was, I'll, I'll be absolutely not, I, I cannot get a washing up brush at the minute, Peps. 
can't oh. get all the oh, no. The stores of the, the only essential item seems to be. I've been, you know, pretty big stores. No washing up brushes. Now, can you imagine? I do a, I do a lot of manual washing up. I do the washing up manually. In other words, once a year. No, I, I, I do. I do the uh, washing up. Uh, but I can't get a good brush, and I need. You can't get Brillos. Forget that, by the way. Um, but, but at least the washing up. So, I went on Amazon to have a look for one. There. Oh. I know. I know. Oh. And I started reading the reviews for washing up brushes. They were pretty good. But I, uh, because I like a washing up brush, uh, I sort of found myself. Mm, he's right there. Actually, he's right. <laughs> for the first time ever, I, I found myself looking at the negative reviews of mundane items, thinking that does happen. That you know, sometimes <laughs> you do in the first wash. All of a sudden, the, the bristles at the front start sticking out. Been with, oh. Oh, you know what I'm talking about there, yeah. Pets, don't you? You know. Uh, anyway, so I looked at, uh, under what else you may want to order, and we we'll get right back to the emails in a minute. Uh, and uh, there was tremendous amount of friction over plugs, sink what? plugs, plugs oh. for the sink. Now, again, well, the more. Well, go on. What, what do you mean, well? As, well? Ever since we bought our sink, it came with the you know the metal ones that you. I don't in, like uh, them. The, uh, the, yeah, I don't. They no. have leaked since the day we bought that Ridiculous. sink. You have to wash up quickly before the water, water drains. Those away. things that look. Uh, they, they, they have the they, grid in them to clean. They're far too elaborate. They don't why oh. it's a plug. Oh. I, sometimes I st- we'll get right back to the show every month, any second now. Sometimes I, st- I, I often not. By the way, me and Bob Harris should have been starting our tour today. Oh, uh, so um, I'm supposed to be uh, in Spain tomorrow. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. I know. Maybe we shouldn't do a show. We should just ring each other up. <laughs> uh, anyway, so um, uh, 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 I stay in pretty good hotels and, and we're on the road, or, or just generally. And again, let's talk about the fussy over elaboration of, of plugs. I mean, everyone knows you go to a hotel and you push that plug down in the middle because it's permanently there, and then you have to look around for the little lever that lets oh, it up again. It's behind. It's, it's, sometimes it's behind. Sometimes it's behind. I've known some that were down in reception, and I'm on the eleventh floor. Uh, anyway, but your basic plug. Your ab- people, the search for the basic plug goes... A rubber up. plug. This is why we need, you know, uh, a Joe's, John Joseph Merlin. He would come up with, a yes, an elaborate one, but it would work. Not all plugs work. Here, ladies and gentlemen, before we continue, are some of the reviews uh, for plugs, sink plugs, on Amazon by disgruntled customers. Number one. Uh, these are all on employee, and afterwards there are plenty more, but these are my, this is me cherry-picking them. Uh, never thought I'd be writing a review about a bath plug, but it's that bad. This plug is made out of super-rigid plastic and rocks side to side in the plug hole. The only positive comment which it's earned is one star, is the good quality chain, and I'll give them that. There's one. Next one. Uh, it fits in the sink of someone else's house. Unfortunately, it's not mine, and this has been totally a waste of money. Thank you. Horrible plug. Won't buy again. The next one. This has badly stained my bath. The chain, when wet, just drips brown water everywhere. I know. Sensational, isn't it? Next one. Poor quality plug. Fits loosely. You never know whether it's plugged in the hole or not. The next one. This one has lost its luster far too quickly. Just a couple more. I pushed it in as far as it would go and took a bath, but the water slowly seeped out until there was just me in the bath. I'll give it two stars for the chain. <laughs> And this is my favourite. I am not in any way biased, but I've just tried a plastic type for the first time and I'm so disappointed because it doesn't seal, not like rubber. Whilst having a bath, I did not have much time to soap up before all the water ran out. <laughs> Why are we 
would you be biased? I, I, I'm not in any way biased. <laughs> and, Being of the rubber family. Summing them all up is this very brief one to close with. I, I ordered this and I've only received the chain. There was no plug. <laughs> Imagine how many times you'd look back in the packaging. <laughs> Get it out. Hang on, it's got to be. <laughs> they just sent the chain. <laughs> anyway, that is our latest in uh, Amazon reviews of mundane products. Give us something quick, Peps, and we'll do some adverts. Uh, well, if you went quick, I've just picked out a long one. Hang on, here we are. This That's all right, what we want to do. Oh, it's We've got to go. It's, like, it's, a lovely, it's a lovely pre-break. Go on, then. <laughs> this is from Louis. Apropos the failed beef heist I just heard, which was yeah. one of our best stories. Mm-hmm. My mate's dad, a fellow called Reg, was lucky enough to be posted out to sunny Cyprus for his national service. Now, Reg was a real, shall we say, character. He might have got on with your old man. I, I, we're going to start getting offended by how many of these characters would, would have been friends <laughs> with your dad. It's going to be very difficult to do that, but go on. An example of this in later life was when Reg once happened to put up upon a security van on the Mile End Road and on per- upon further inspection noticed it was being robbed with a transit van blocking his path and a right old ding-dong of a punch-up taking place on the pavement. Reg, ever the vigilant citizen, took the opportunity, jumped out of his car and nicked a big old bag of coins that was, which had been dropped in the melee. I know, it's terrible, but... Unfortunately for Reg, it turned out to be full of tuppences. But it is an example of his nature. So... Can I just stop you there, Pip? Is, is, is the two pence piece still a thing? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I haven't seen now. Now you say that. I, 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 to me, I've not seen one of those. I'm, I'm just about. I was just about to go. It's copper. I played it to you. I had no idea. I have not seen a, a two pence piece uh, for a very, very long while. Seems to be consigned to you know. Uh, loose leaf tea, high button boots, and, and, and quill pens. But if I wasn't hemmed in by the table that we have fashioned in the doorway of my husband's wardrobe, mm-hmm. I can see there's one on our chest of drawers. Is there? Well, good for you. Uh, good for you. I may limbo uh, out during I'll, the. I'll tell you, and, and listen, I know this. This is over grab. If, if Wendy sees what she calls brown money on the floor, she hoovers it up. Oh, she hoovers it up. Oh, some, oh, no, I know, it's terrible. But I say, what was that? Your old bit of brown money on the floor. Hearing it going up the actual hoover pipe is a lot of fun, though, I've got to be fair. Oh. <laughs> bit of brown money. Now, there is only the one pence and the two pence we're talking about, but uh, mainly the one pences. But, yeah, hoovers it up, I oh. think, just for the thrill of hearing that noise. But continue, perhaps. So this is uh, coming to the end of his time being stationed in Cyprus. Reg was thinking of pastures new and ways to capitalise on his imminent freedom. He hatched a plan. One evening, him and a mate drove a couple of regulation army camp jeeps, Land Rovers, I think, out to a particularly remote area that they knew was soft, sandy desert. And yes, they buried them. Oh. Two jeeps before (laughs) returning late and on foot to barracks. I seem to remember Reg telling me him and his mate actually drew a map to guide them back. A buried treasure map. Sure enough, after returning to Blighty, being demobbed and spending a few months on Civvy Street, Reg and his mate decided they'd earn enough money to take themselves off for a short trip back to the Mediterranean. Perhaps to Cyprus. It all went without a hitch. Back they went, got their bearings, and Reg and his pal had bought themselves a couple of shovels, retraced their steps, and on a dark night dug up their contraband. 
Sure enough, six weeks later, back in London, Reg trousered a tidy sum for a couple of hastily repainted Jeeps no. of a morally dubious bloke up the back of a pub in East End, London. We had it well away, I can tell you, Sonny explained to me once. You're joking. They buried Jeeps and dug them up again. And then That's sold a... them in an and East End And sold pub. them on. But we'd to sand in the carburetor, if that means anything to anyone. I didn't, and me. But, uh, but that, uh, and jot this down. The subject for next week, the next show, will be uh, what have you buried incorporating treasure maps? Uh, that, that, that's the subject there. Uh, right, we're going to take uh, uh, the, the swiftest of breaks and come back because on Fridays now we do the uh, video golden shot. Is oh, it yeah. video? Is it called? No, no, vinyl, vinyl. golden shot. I do it with videos one these times, if you like. Uh, but uh, uh, so we'll be right back in Stanta. Also from something else. Mel Gedroich is quilting. Listen to Mel and good friend Andy Bush as they learn a great new skill and tell some brilliant stories, all whilst having some good, wholesome fun. In a nutshell, I took a pair of scissors and I went into my husband's wardrobe. Now, this comes from a shirt that I bought him that I know he doesn't like. So I'm testing him. By <laughs> uh, uh, this is brilliant. Yeah, by finding out when he discovers Amazing. that the shirt has got a big patch out of the back of it. Wow, and which area of the shirt is this taken from? Bottom right. Okay. <laughs> Listen now in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all good podcast apps. Good morning, everybody. It's the Danny Baker Show, radiating out across the airwaves. Come the sunshine or the rain, come aboard the Danny train. We'll kick our slippers off and throw our cares away. What better thing to do than have a jolly jape or two? Don't touch that dial, there's nowhere else to go. Come and join a happy session, wave ta-ta to the recession on the Danny Baker Show. Take it away, Danny. And here we go again. Uh, welcome back, everybody. And uh, perhaps you, you're, you're quite wise in the fact you don't uh, hang on my every word on Twitter. That, that, that'll be fine because uh, it's, it allows me to bring you some things that you may have missed. And one of them, which did particularly well this week, a uh, good friend Rob Chapman originally tweeted it, uh, and it was the greatest answer to a question ever in the history of rock and roll interviewing. Oh, and it oh, was, it really is. It was, it, I'll, I I'll saw just bring your this. mystery film post, film. Uh, yes, that was marquee. a. That was a oh, I was, oh, I was desperate to crack that one and someone else did it before me. I've never heard of that film. Mm. Angels. Uh, uh, Passing uh, at death's uh, door or something, was it? Angels Hard As They Come or something. Yeah. Called the film. Anyway, we're, we're digressing. Uh, but one of the other things uh, in it, we're digressing. Like <laughs> There's a solid, solid road through the show. Uh, but anyway, uh, this was uh, put up by Rob and I retweeted it and everyone went nuts for it. And quite rightly, this really is uh, the greatest response to an interview question in rock and roll, possibly all history Ooh, and of wow. course it's Bob Dylan in 1966 and he's being interviewed for a huge feature in Playboy magazine and Playboy said to him Bob what made you decide to go down the rock and roll route because he'd just gone electric of course so they said Bob what made you decide to go down the rock and roll route and here comes Bob Dylan's answer to that carelessness I lost my one true love I started drinking I wound up in Phoenix I got a job as a Chinaman I started working in a dime store to move in with a 13-year-old girl, and then I met this big Mexican lady from Philadelphia who came in and burned the house down. 
I go down to Dallas and I get a job as a before in a Charles Atlas before and after ad. I move in with the delivery boy who can cook fantastic chili and hot dogs. Then this 13-year-old girl from Phoenix comes and burns the house down. The next thing I know, I'm in Omaha. It's so cold down there. By this time, I'm robbing my own bicycles and frying my own fish. I'm moving with a high school teacher who also does a little plumbing on the side who ain't much to look at, but who's built this special kind of refrigerator that can turn newspapers into lettuce. Everything's going good until the delivery boy shows up again and tries to knife me. Needless to say, he burned the house down and I hit the road. The first guy that picked me up asked me if I wanted to be a rock and roll star. What could I say? Playboy. And, and that's how you became a rock and roll singer? Dylan, no, that's how I got tuberculosis. <laughs> Isn't that the greatest? As somebody pointed out, Tom Waits must have thought, oh, I like that. That was his answer. That was his answer. And I love the school teacher he lives with who does some plumbing on the side who built a special kind of refrigerator that can turn newspaper into, into lettuce. lettuce. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why he's Bob Dylan. No matter what he does oh. these days, he has nothing more to live up to. And now, I believe, we're being joined by Peter. Is that right, Peps? Hold on. Let me... Peter? Hello. Hey, Peter. Ah, hey, Peter. Is. Thank Hi. you for being there, Peter. Thank you very much. Where, where, where are you, Peter? Not that it matters in these days and ages, but uh, where are you? Haywood Heath. Where about Haywood Heath? Oh, okay. The most Heath, surname. Yeah. Uh, Haywood Heath, my friend. Now, are you aware of uh, uh, the game we're about to play? Yes, yes. I've been listening to it whilst out jogging, listening to the podcast. So and, and, yeah, and, I've, and heard, I've heard a few of them. And, and you thought I can do better than that, didn't you? You thought well, I can do better than. Uh, I, uh, well, Crystal. now there's been a few of them. I've been building up a sort of map of your record collection Brilliant. in my mind as I've been running along. I knew this would happen. Uh, you mind palace. You let the pioneers That's do exactly all the what heavy I'm lifting. Uh, the, the last contestant was my good friend Danny Kelly. He didn't do very well. Uh, uh, he didn't do very well, but uh, mostly the women who lead the board. I believe it's Christine leading for man. What happens, everyone? I'm sitting in this record room. We'll get this over as quick as possible. Uh, and uh, I'm surrounded by uh, 11,000 albums and about 6,000 singles. And I'm going to point straight ahead. And of course, uh, uh, Peter here can't see. And he can guide me up, down, left, right. He can do two LPs on one single. Uh, or he can do two singles and one LP. It's up to whoa, him. Whoa, and the combined, whoa. I know I'm making the rules up as I'm going along now, and the combined value of those three records could put him top of the leaderboard if he can beat 335 pounds worth of vinyl as picked out in three records by Christine. If you were just doing it for favourites there, uh, there, Pete, what, 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 what bands would you go for? I mean, personal favourites would be things like the Pixies. Um, that's kind of you know, my entry level. Uh, mm. When I was a teenager growing up, what I what I really enjoyed listening to. But I've got, you know, I have, I have, a, I kind of have a vinyl collection myself. Nothing in the same street as yourself, but you know, I, I have a sort of, yeah, yeah, me too. But um, I've, you know, I've got a whole wide variety of different. Sort of taste, but uh, yeah. Well, come on, give, 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 us, like give us some of those. Give us, give, 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 give what's your alpha? Well, you know, I've got the same four tops. I mean, I, I love, I love Camden Motown and all that. I've got. I know you've been putting up with your first thirty sort of albums. You know, the one of those that I do have is that four tops one. You were sort of yeah, displaying I think, on, again, Twitter. On, on Twitter, everyone. I, I'm just. Uh, I thought back to 1970, 50 years ago, and I've still got the, 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 all the albums I had then. Uh, and I'm not defending them as all great albums. Last night's Poco one raised a few eyebrows, but uh, uh, I've still got them. And a lot of them were compilations, Motown chart busters, Tighten Up Volume 2. I can't find. That was a real center of it. And as you mentioned, the, the four tops ones. So uh, the, the, the Pixies are in here. 
but the point is to pick out records that are valuable rather than uh, yes, I was going to say. And, and totally, that's how, that, oh, clearly, clearly that, that's kind of the modus operandi I've got in terms of where I'm going to go. But um, hopefully, I'll pick out some Bowie or something. But who knows? Well, let, let's see what we get. And uh, no vinyl changes hands. There is no money at stake. It's purely for <laughs> entertainment purposes. However, when we start the merchandising, it will come your way. So thank you very much, Peter. People think you know, oh, it's all right for you. You've got loads of albums because you know the, the money. Uh, yes, I've spent a few quid, but people forget when I was. 14 my first job was in a record shop that brother there there was your roots of the the stuff i used to bring on from there there was your footlings that was the foundation yeah. of the entire thing and they're all still here right i'm standing up i'm pointing straight in front the middle shelf of six and they're very very uh, long shelves my friend i'll pick up the microphone this one went wrong before uh up to you go up 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 oh Yep. You're on the left, top shelf now. Left, 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 down, fire. Oh, okay, you've gone for... Oh, oh, not bad at all. Now, this is the, the this is a £100 album. Oh. This is a £100 mm. album. It's Elvis Costello, right? And it's uh, Our Aim Is True. It was put out by Stiff Records uh, to hype his first album. It's got on the front, Help Us Hype Elvis. Our Aim Is True, and it's a sampler from the album uh thank you to nick Lowe, dave edmonds and everyone who made this possible i'm i'm actually thinking that's probably 125 pound album now Whoa, I, I reckon it's yeah I may have to even revise it from that, but Stiff put this out uh, in 1977 when Elvis Costello was just getting going, and it was Help Us Hype Elvis, and it was an, an album uh, they bunged out just to raise awareness of him, but that probably, oh, and that's a £125 album, bang! You're going to have to screw this oh, up badly, now not the win. <laughs> Where do you stand on Elvis Costello uh, anyway, by the way? Uh, yeah, Sorry for all the time. I'm around my room. Go on. Yeah, I, I was too young at the time to sort of know his work. It's something I've sort of revisited. I'm certainly not his biggest fan, but yeah, the yeah, single by Radio Radio and the like uh, are really good. They stand the test of time. My wife particularly likes Allison as a song that we have. In oh, the car. beautiful song, heartbreaking song. I went to see him. Um, the last thing I did before lockdown, March the 14th, Hammersmith Odeon. It was still, it was still on. It's the last thing he played before he had to cancel the rest of the tour. And all he did was his hits, including Allison. Right, we're on the other side of the room. Now, uh, this is slightly narrower, but there are still seven shells, my friend. I'm pointing at the center. You've started brilliantly. Off you go. Mm, up, 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 up. Right, right, right. Down, fire. <laughs> okay. You've chosen. You've chosen well again. Uh, this, I'm, I'm saying this is a fifty-pound record. Uh, it's Stackridge's. <laughs> it's Stackridge's first album, just called Stackridge on the original uh, MCA label. That'll get you fifty quid. You are now uh, to to a hundred and seventy-five pounds. Uh, it's going to be now, a hell of a single if I, if I go looking again first place, isn't it? It is. It, it actually got to uh, actually yeah because the Genesis one, which actually put everyone at the top, well, that's a three hundred pound album. I'm going to upgrade your Elvis. To 200 quid. I'll Ooh. give you 50. So now you've got 250. Ooh. The singles in front wow, of me. Yeah. I'm sorry about all the rattling, everyone. I'm holding the microphone. Uh, uh, the singles in front of me, there are records that could take you into the front. <laughs> trying to build this up into something. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> is it 250 quid, Peter? I'm pointing. Uh, there are ooh, nine shelves of singles here, quite narrow. But nevertheless, I'm pointing at the centre. Off you go. Up, up, up. Left, 
Well, it's got you to. It's got him. With, is that right, Peps? Three hundred and ten pounds. I yes. think you, you finished that. Uh, well, so thank yeah, you. That's, that's a great score. Thank I'm you very, very much. And, and how are you getting on during these uh, querulous times, my friend? You're doing okay. Uh, yeah, doing okay. Um, I'd, I'd really like to get back to an office rather than sitting at home, sort of working and having to juggle the kids. Well, you know, you, you, you never thought you'd yeah. after that phrase, did you? I really want to get back to the office. But there it is. <laughs> I know, yeah. But I, you know, I actually miss it a lot. Well, <laughs> again, you know, we, when the lights go on again all over the world. So thank you for being with us there, Peter. Uh, and that was a very great. time. Very, and very well played, by the way. Yeah. Your, your map did work, but just not quite enough. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. I can revive it and sell it on eBay. <laughs> Thank you very much. The, uh, uh, the uh, leader is Christine with 335 from Anne at 330, and then comes in Peter with these uh, th- uh, 200, no, 310, I believe. How about that? I'm even keeping focus. That is going to be a big. Thump. I like that you you out you start outbidding yourself on the worth. <laughs> 100, oh, well, 150, 200. No, I, do you know what? Because I'm thinking there's people out there who know this stuff. Saying, uh, yeah, good uh, luck to you being picked up for £100. But that <laughs> is a, a very early, stiff promo. And, uh, yeah, that was a very good choice at the beginning. So now we're back in what we laughingly call the real world. Uh, give us something from over there, Peps. I think your mic might be the right one. <laughs> is it I've done that again? Uh, uh, no, it's all right. There we go. Oh, OK. There you are. Oh, no, you're much bad. clearer now. Uh, so this we're is... back in the real world. What have we got there, Peps? This is from David in Aberdeenshire. Outstanding good luck. My grandfather, Bill, was from the Falkland Islands and while having settled in Scotland, he spent several years working around the world in the Merchant Navy. He was a big chap and had been a boxer in his youth and given the combination of sailor unusual and an unusual accent, he used to find himself in trouble more often than not in portside bars. While doctored a port in West Africa, trouble had already ensued earlier in the day and he and others from his crew were on a warning from local police that any more trouble and it would be jail. Not a prospect any of them fancied. The ensuing fight... <laughs> turned somewhat into a classic Western bar brawl. Bottles, chairs, etc. And while being able to handle himself, common sense told my grandfather he should remove himself from the situation not least as the police were just arriving. Legging it with the constabulary in pursuit, he turned down a side street and in true cinematic fashion opened the first door he found and ran inside to hide from the police. Now, in any given situation, this would be a hell of a gamble, even in your hometown, but to do this in an African port town was a bit risky. At which point, a gentleman sitting at a desk peered out from behind his paper and went... Police, by any chance, Bill, better go in the back office and sit in the basement for ten minutes. Mm -hmm. He had entered the office of the local railroad company that was used by the senior engineer, who happened to be his cousin. Nonsense. 
Neither no. of them knew that the other was in the country at this time. When the local constabulary did come and ask if any foreign sailors were seen legging it, he dutifully replied with a shrug and a shake of the head. And after a change of clothing, Grandad made it back on board. Now that, uh, uh, that may be the, the most uh, extraordinary shaggy dog tail, but I've no reason to doubt it. That sounds like an passed down from... And grandfathers never lie on that. Uh, no. That's a beaut, ain't it? That's an absolute beaut. Uh, All right, Bill. <laughs> I know. Uh, on a similar note, and as I say, during this lockdown, I don't know if us, but are getting kind of uh, fuzzy. Uh, but there's is one here, uh, and I can't see a name on it. I do apologise. I can't see the name. Uh, but it says here, uh, 2002 Cheltenham Races. A friend said, go and have a go on the place pot. What's a place pot? You chew six horses and put a two pound steak. I did, choosing the horses with names that meant something from my life. I got two firsts and four seconds for my two pound steak. Listeners, I won just over 21,000 pounds. <laughs> However, that's not the, uh, uh, that, that, that's, a, that's just the first bit of how lucky am I. He says it was life changing for our family. I know, uh -huh. I, know I know nothing about betting Peps, do you? No, not at all. I'm a clue. Grant for two quid. Why doesn't everyone bet? <laughs> all right. Uh, so he says, life changing for our family. My father was in his car. Later, my father was in his car running an errand. And another driver in a huge SUV was. Actually, I don't know if there's two different emails. I don't know because they know the name. So forgive me if it's not the same person's life. <laughs> Let's pretend it is, just to make us all feel better. My father was in his car running an errand, and another driver in a huge SUV wasn't paying attention to the traffic signal. She ran the red light and smashed full speed into the driver's side of my dad's car, which then rolled twice and landed on its side. He was able to get out and walk away, literally without a scratch. But we all insisted he go to hospital for evaluation. He didn't want to, but we were right. And he was right. The crash had left him unscathed. However, they did discover a tumour the size of a grapefruit which was just about to encroach on his heart. A few more weeks and it would have been inoperable. <gasps> had he not had the crash, had we not insisted he go on to be checked out, this would never ever have happened at the moment they found it it was still treatable and he's been free of it for more than five years now now that again a little grim but that that nevertheless one thing led to another give me another one peps uh, this is from mark in north shields <laughs> entitled my uncle's fascination with tins <laughs> oh <laughs> my late uncle's 50s childhood involved a natural inventiveness a curious nature and a surfeit of wartime powdered milk tins <laughs> The powdered milk having been long consumed, my uncle put the saved empty tins to several uses, each with their own particular quirk and hazard. Having decided to take up fishing, he stored maggots in one of the tins. Fishing, clearly being a short-term hobby, the maggot tin was returned to a shelf in the coal shed. Uh -oh. Imagine my grandfather's delight when he lifted the lid off the tin, imagining to find an assortment of nails and screws and let loose hundreds and oh, hundreds of blue bottles. Here we go. Here That's we all right. Go. That's as far as he went with that one. Uh, Another... Go on, sorry. Yeah, just, no, no, no. That biblical image, which we have discussed on the programme more than you've lived it. Admit, I've lived it as well. But uh, anyway, this is all an oral history for future generations. Continue, Peps. Another empty tin of powdered milk was used to collect paraffin from a larger can to be poured into the insecticide spray gun, which he had turned into a flamethrower. <laughs> he set the compost heap on fire with this experiment. However, his finest hour was the morning after bonfire night. 
He went round the village collecting the black powder from any spent fireworks he could find. Adding a roll or two of caps from his cap gun, he poured the pilfered powder into the tin, added a lit match and put the lid back on. Mm -hmm. My mother can remember watching as this unfolded. There was a mighty bang. The lid flew into the air and paused before plummeting to earth and landing squarely on top of my uncle's head. (laughs) My mother is 76 and still laughs about this. My uncle became a physics teacher and I bet his lessons were very interesting. He became a physics teacher. Wow, okay, beautifully put. Thank you, everyone. I'll do this one quickly. Uh, This is our our subject. Uh, Have you ever soaked a stranger? Uh, This is from Matt. He says, I I was soaking a stranger towel back in 1986. I was waiting for a bus at a bus stop in Lewisham, just by the station, getting the dreaded 8181 back to Bellingham. (laughs) Anyway, I was with my mum, and being 15, this was probably the last time I can recall accompanying her on a shopping trip before I turned into one of those bedroom soul Anyway, I was standing at the bus stop and I spotted a small Ribena carton, the time you pushed the integral straw into to get the drink. It was quite a new concept then, I believe, and it was discarded and laying on the pavement at the very edge of the bus stop shelter. Tremendous, I thought. There had been a craze recently for stamping on empty drinks cartons. That, that, that just would stop in there. You can't, they're getting an ice lolly. Even at an advanced age, I'm sure maybe this is just men nodding along now. But first thing, you get your ice lolly. Uh, mm. And when they just used to be, you didn't have to tear them open. Uh, they weren't completely covered. The stick used to stick out the bottom of the packaging. And so you'd breathe into the uh, uh, actual <laughs> packaging to free it, ice from the de-ice it, pull it out, put the packaging on the floor. And you know what you did then, perhaps? Yeah. You stepped on the open edge and it went... <laughs> Oh, that was a really good one. Good, wasn't it? That wasn't a sound effect. That was me. Uh, And the, um, but my mum often used to say, because we'd all do it with, you know, sweet bags or anything else. Don't do that. You blow someone out of work. That's what they, yes, they, oh, yeah. (laughs) Don't, uh, again, there may be only a small quotient of our audience nodding (laughs) along with that. That if you did that, they said you blew someone out of work. Anyway, back to our story. He's seen this right beaner carton on the edge of the pavement. There had been a craze recently for stamping on it empty drinks cartons such as these because the air rushing out made a satisfying bang, akin to blowing up an empty crisp bag and bursting it. I lifted my foot and stamped down as hard as I could. There was a decent bang. Hidden by the rumble of traffic and the trains nearby, sadly, satisfied, I went back to standing by my mother. Then I heard a series of animalistic roars. A large, fierce-looking woman at the bus queue wearing a white skirt had suddenly realised her skirt and tights were covered in blackcurrant juice. Another woman's pale grey coat was similarly drenched in the purple rain. Horrified, I realised that the entire carton had been full and I'd literally showered the entire queue with it. Obviously, I thought they'd know it was me and I was prepared for the onslaught and my apologies ready to follow. But then I noticed nobody had connected me with the episode. A tremendous result. I deftly kicked the flattened carton through the gap under the edge of the shelter and hoped nobody saw that either. I looked at my mum, who was staring dead ahead with a face like stone. Through gritted teeth, she said, Shut up. Don't say anything. You're going to get us both lynched. I was truly mortified by my ride being a tsunami and can now, only now, just about laugh at the episode, though still in a cold sweat. 
I mean, how did those women get those stains out? And that's from Matt. Tremendous cautionary tale. Yeah, poor Ribena Carton. And they ne- the great thing is he got away with it. That's what I like about that. Say quick peps and we'll wind up. Uh, this is from um, Chris Dunn. This is things your dog has found. You said we'd, we'd pull out some old ones. Uh, taking my newly acquired puppy for one of her first walks, she burrowed her nose deep in a hedge. When she reappeared, she had an unused party popper in her mouth oh. with the string hanging out. <laughs> As she was still very young, she hadn't yet mastered leave. I went into full danger UXB mode and gently coaxed it out without firing a celebratory flume down her throat. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, it, it, it couldn't be done. But I bet there's YouTube videos of people, not with dogs, but doing that, firing party poppers. Oh, no, mouths. don't do I don't, I don't mind uh, the smell of them, of course. Oh. Everyone, all civilised people smell them afterwards. But there is, if you, once they've been, you know, uh, exploded, I don't mind putting those into the mouth because it's my mouth because there's no, there's a very nutty sort of... Um, uh, nutty slack. Very nutty, nutty slack. Uh, yeah, we, knew, we named the shows and then come up with a reason. <laughs> but uh, if, if they could manufacture a cheese, party pop a cheese flavoured, oh yeah, that'd be they're beautiful. I'm giving away these ideas. Right, we're going to finish, but I'll, I'll start kind of as we uh, finish, as we started. Uh, the other thing that people seem to like on, e- uh, on Twitter this week uh, was a story given that me and Bob Harris were supposed to be starting our rock and roll oh. tour, which has now been, I think it starts in October now. Uh, we're we're going to start tomorrow night. And one of the stories I'm writing down, all the rock and roll stories I can think of, but one that I didn't have on my list, but I just did in, in a tweet this week, uh, somebody mentioned Leo Sayer. And then I was talking about, uh, uh, anyway, uh, Adam Faith. And um, I said I went to see for the NME, I had to go and review Leo Sayer, who I adored his first two albums, and I like him again now, but at the time NME takes over and you get all kind of revolutionary. So I went to the Palladium to see Leo Sayer, perhaps, and uh, it, it wasn't any good. He was about four songs in. I thought, this is, you know, with the orchestra and all that. I used to like him when he, I saw him support Roxy music when he used to dress as a clown. And, uh, but I didn't like it, so I got up and I went to the bar. I went into the bar while he was still performing. I thought, I'll go and have a drink. I remained open. Walked in there. The only other person in there was Adam Faith. Adam Faith was in the BBC bar. He's foot on the rail, nursing a, a half a lager. And I walked in. I said, hello. He went, hello. I said, um, that would have been Adam Faith, that was it. <laughs> he said, hello. I said, um, uh, he said, don't like it. I said, no, do you know what? I said, I used to. I said, he really started well. I said, he's gone right off now. I said, it's proper chart stuff, which was an insult. Oh. I said, no, I said, he used to be great. I said, but he's, he's just, he's just, no, he's lost it. Whatever it was, he's lost it. I'm, I'm reviewing it with the NME. He went, oh, yeah. I said, do you like him? He went, yeah, I do. I'm his manager. <laughs> he was. Adam Faith was his <laughs> manager. Anyway, in honour of everyone who had tickets to come and see me and Bob tonight, you can have that one for free. Run the theme tune there, Phil. One, two, three, four. Three Climb up, go in, let's cosy down. Wave goodbye to that silly frown as we chase our cares away. In the the fire's on, it's warm inside We guarantee you'll be satisfied As we laugh the day away In the three Take it away, Danny! Always do with me to the magnificent Louise Napoleon Pepper across town doing it with me, Phil Wilding producing and Josh and everyone at Something Else have given us the platform. But as always, it's chiefly yourselves. Stand by for the new subjects. I'll see you midweek.
time on the treehouse. What have you buried? Incorporating treasure maps. Are you a bit psychic? It happened while swimming. And the most ridiculous question you've ever had to ask. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.